Today is the first Sunday in Lent. And this is a traditional reading for the first Sunday in Lent. It marks Jesus' journey to the cross. It starts at the beginning of his ministry. And throughout Lent, we travel with him and with his disciples to Jerusalem. And because we hear it every year, and perhaps have read it ourselves or heard it uh, from uh, way back in the mists of time, it's very familiar to us. And the familiar in scripture can lead us to switch off or to think that we know it all we understand it all and we know what it's about. Let's see. Quite a few years ago now, the Irish singer and songwriter Chris de Berg sang a song and recorded a song and published a song called Spanish Train. He's best known for Lady in Red some way remember that song. It's the story about a train carrying the souls of the dead to the underworld. Jesus and Lucifer are playing poker, gambling with the souls. And as you might expect, Lucifer cheats and wins the game. And the song just before the end of the song, is this stanza. And far away in some recess, the Lord and the devil are now playing chess. The devil still cheats and wins more souls. And as for the the Lord, well, he's just doing his best. I wonder if that's what we think. The song was deemed blasphemous in South Africa and it was banned there, but not elsewhere. And it says that God is losing the battle or the game of poker and then chess in the song because the devil cheats but God plays by the rules, his rules. Look at the world today and you could be forgiven for thinking that the songwriter might be right. Indeed, I'm sure, looking at the world uh, in whatever age it might be and whatever time of history it might be, it could probably have been said by people. And many in our society already think that and have turned their back on God and the Church of Jesus Christ. Something else that's been happening recently is the film about the band Queen and its lead singer, Freddie Mercury, the film Bohemian Rhapsody, which has caught the attention of the public. 
many of whom love Queen and the music. The film won two Golden Globes and two Oscars recently, so it's had a lot of publicity. In 1986 at Wembley, in the stadium, the band on their magic tour included the song We Are The Champions, a very well-known song and a favourite amongst clubbers and dancers. That got the attention of a man called Noel Richards, who was a Christian songwriter, who with Gerald Coates, a minister in the Baptist church, and a female singing group, Delirious, sang a song 10 years later in Wembley Arena with 11,000 people present, Jesus, champion of the world. And the year after that event, 70,000 Christian people crowded Wembley Stadium to sing Jesus, champion of the world. It seems to me <clears throat> that these things relate to our Bible passage today. And it's particularly about people hearing a voice speaking to them that I want to think. And I realise that's dangerous because all sorts of people hear voices that tell them to do things, speak to them about issues, and so on. And some of that can be very dangerous. But if we allow modern psychology and science to tell us that every voice that people might hear is from within their own heads. We are falling into Satan's trap. God spoke to Jesus, so the gospel says, before he was taken into the wilderness. This is my son, my beloved, I am well pleased with him at his baptism. Jesus hadn't called his disciples at this point, so those who were become, to become part of the twelve, and indeed he didn't have any followers as far as we know at this stage, so how did the writers of the Gospels know? about these experiences at the baptism and in the wilderness. Jesus must have told them. He must have shared with them something of his experience. 
and explained why it might be important to them and later. Satan appears in the Old Testament in the Garden of Eden story, speaking to Eve, saying that it was okay to eat the forbidden fruit, the the fruit forbidden by God. But there is no record in Scripture, I don't think, of Satan speaking to anyone else throughout the whole of that stretch of godly history until now, until to Jesus. God has spoken to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, and so on and so on throughout the Old Testament. And he spoke at his baptism. But Satan had remained silent as far as we know. And it raises the issue, were these experiences of hearing God speak in a a recognisable language and in an audible voice, and then Satan speaking too, Were they reserved for the heroes of faith in the Old Testament and for Jesus himself? Well, no, because Paul heard Jesus speaking to him and Peter also experienced through a dream God speaking to him. So God spoke. Satan spoke in an audible way. And do we still hear those voices? It was lovely to hear from Tim about his experience at the URC Synod yesterday and sharing something of his story an aspect of testimony and that's another thing that we often include in a praise service is testimony of what God is doing now these days in people's lives I want to share something of my testimony now and I'm very conscious that last time I preached I included a little bit of my story and I had trouble controlling the emotions that it gave rise to. Well, I'm prepared to risk it again. I'd begun, this is many years ago now, I'd begun to help somebody who wanted to escape from a highly secretive satanic organization an organization that was ruthless in controlling its members 
And early on in my relationship with this person, a voice said to me, you are weak. I immediately found I had the presence of mind to respond, yes, but Jesus is strong. And there was nothing more along those lines. Jesus is strong. And yes, there's a hymn, isn't there? We are weak, but thou art strong. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's the exact words, but I'm sure it'll be familiar to some of you. And then, quite a bit later, in the middle of the night, I woke up, and a voice said to me, the kind of booming type voice that theatrically uh, is given to God, when he speaks off stage, thou shalt surely die. That scared me. I was due to go into hospital to have a hip replacement. And I was a little bit anxious about that, although not terribly. But when I got over my initial fright, I recognized the words as being part of the Adam and Eve story. Coming from the King James Version, the authorized version of the Bible, not one of the modern ones, I'd left behind the King James Version. I didn't use it. I preferred the Good News Bible or the New International Version. And it was God's words to Adam and Eve as a warning if they were to eat the forbidden fruit in that Garden of Eden story. Thou shalt surely die. But alongside that, came the realization that if God wanted me to help this person escape from this satanic group, he would not let me die. He would keep me alive. Whatever the situation was in the hospital or in any other situation. And so... As I recovered my faith, I renounced the threat using Jesus' name because he gave all his people the authority to use his name in the name of Jesus and to renounce that threat. I remember when I was growing up that we used to hear stories about missionaries in Africa and South America and other parts of the world talking about um, witch doctors and shamans and the like casting curses on people in native villages and indeed in government 
and people succumbing to what words had been spoken. If you accept and believe the words of a curse, they will become self-fulfilling. It's important to reject and renounce them and say, that does not apply to me. On the other hand, reminding you of those words I used earlier in the service from Romans 10, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I went into hospital, I had the operation, I was being prayed for, and everything was fine. <coughs> but the person I was trying to help hadn't got that faith yet. And she heard a voice saying to her, if you surrender utterly to me, I will not let Peter die. I was obviously important to her. It's like Faust in the classic story, who desperately wanted status and wealth and a particular lady. And he'd been praying, but to no avail. And the story has it that Satan came and offered them to him and promised them to him at that point without any strings attached. But when Faust received what he wanted, that's when Satan came and said, now you are mine. She told me about what had happened later and I was able to share with her that God does not deal with people like that because he is loving and gracious and kind and gentle. He says, there's a job to be done. Will you do it? He doesn't force people or bribe people or threaten people. And as she came to understand that and gather some more faith for herself, she too took the name of Jesus and renounced that commitment to Satan. She is now free and serving God's kingdom in a wonderful way. Jesus said, you shall do homage to the Lord your God and worship him alone. I'm telling you this because in the modern day, including in the church, we have succumbed to the temptation to listen 
to non-believers say that these kinds of events and experiences and stories in scripture are all in the mind. They are not real. They are very real. And I want you to know that. Which is why I'm sharing something of my story. And that's part of the purpose of sharing our own stories. That it's authentic. And we need to tell people about it. You have your own story. And you need to share it with others. But what I want to ask you is this. Is this the Jesus that you know? Do you know the Jesus of the Gospels? The whole of the Gospel. The one who alone in all the world is worthy of our praise and adoration and loyalty. And when we look at the cross... It wasn't that Satan took Jesus' life from him. Jesus offered his life to Satan and said, do your worst. And the worst was to kill Jesus, the human Jesus of Nazareth. But he could not kill God in him, the Son of God, who... God raised from the dead and is alive forevermore and dwells by the Spirit within every believer and has the power to reject and renounce and defeat in Jesus' name all that Satan can throw at them. The enemy is real. The game is in play. The battle is raging. And God calls each one of us to join in the fight. Playing by his rules of love and of mercy, but also of power and authority in his name. The empty tomb is evidence of the victory for the only true and living God of all the powers and authorities and principalities of the dark world. Champion of the world. But Jesus warned his followers of the cost to take up the cross as he had done. That there would be suffering, that it would be a battle, that it wouldn't all be easy sailing. But be encouraged and believe and praise God with your whole being. Our Lord Jesus not only confounded Satan in these temptations, not only allowed Satan to do his worst, but is alive today in his people. May God bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen.